We would like to begin by acknowledging the traditional owners and custodians of the lands on which we record from today, the peoples of the Kulin Nation. I also pay my respects to the elders past and present. I extend that respect to the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples here today. Meet the Source, a new podcast from Cappy, where hosts Emma Evans and Thurman Wise get to the source of our daily rituals, speaking with entrepreneurs that are changing the face of our day to day. From making our bed to a glass of wine and everything in between, we give you a peek into the leaders making our daily rituals serve us better, support our communities and bring positive change to our surroundings. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in to a very special episode two of season two. It's our first ever live and in-person podcast recording, which is very exciting, very scary, but it's going to be great. We have the wonderful general manager of Coles, Leanne White, joining us today. Hello. Thank you so much for stopping by. I'm so excited to be here. I'm glad that I'm the first in person because it's my very first. So I'm really feeling like a real special opportunity to be here. So thanks. Thank you. It's a first of first of first, which is really amazing. So, I mean, I'm sure most of our listeners would be familiar with Coles. If not, get on the internet or walk <laughs> go outside. Down the street. Yeah, go down the go street. Go do some grocery shopping. But would you mind giving maybe a little introduction of yourself and what you do at Coles or day in the life of maybe? Ooh, depends which day. I think one of the wonderful things of working at Coles is no day is the same. So thank you for the introduction. My name's Leanne White. I am the general manager of the grocery business unit at Coles Supermarkets. What it looks like for me is that we think about every day how to solve problems for our customers. And we are so focused on finding ways to bring the most important products for them available on shelf every day. So what that looks like from a grocery point of view is all the ambient food. So we've got wonderful, delicious treating food. So your favorite sugary and salty snacks. So you sometimes food and then you can wash that down with lots of different delicious beverages, which is no surprise why I'm here today because there's (laughs) some delicious beverages we have in range. We've got you covered for breakfast, coffee and health foods. And then of course, pantry. So those core ambient staples that are part of so many meal occasions that touch so many Australians across Australia lots of Australians in that statement. I was actually at Coles this morning and I was kind of like smiling as I was walking around the grocery (laughs) store like, oh, how great we have this chat today. Well, I smile a lot in supermarkets as well. I don't know whether people think that's normal for most people, but definitely for me, I smile a lot, particularly in red supermarkets. Yeah, yeah. It was very neat, I have to say. Just shout out to Port Melbourne Coles. It was very neat at 7am this morning. (laughs) Well, I have to say, and maybe I'm a bit weird and Emma can speak to this one of my absolute favorite things to do is to go to the grocery store it's just there's something like especially when you go to other countries to just go see like how people shop and like the way things are organized and what things are on the shelf what are like what is different from your home or even your town I think it's the coolest thing it is it's amazing and I think that's probably why I fell in love with supermarket retailing it was I I started my first shift at Coles when I was 15 Wow. I remember it so vividly and I was just fascinated with what people were buying. And 
Because at 15, you're only familiar with what you're used to, what's in your household, what you're being exposed to. It just blew my mind with why people were buying different products and why and what was in there and things I wasn't familiar with. And that was definitely a hook. So I'm not surprised that every time you go into another supermarket internationally, you look around and see all the different products because that's what's fun about supermarkets is there's something for everybody and it's constantly evolving and moving with trends. So yeah, I think it's super cool as well. Good that there's the self-checkout though as well. So if you just want to go in and buy like bunch of chocolate you can just <laughs> go in with no shame and get out my husband Craig he loves the uh, self-service because he doesn't have to talk to anyone he yeah. just likes to do it he tries to get in there with a trolley though so I think his ambition is greater than his skill set so <laughs> yeah it does take an art I think I showed the owner of Kathy and his wife one time how to actually do it with the self-checkout they've never <laughs> experienced it before I mean I have to say as an American it's funny because self-checkout is not necessarily a thing or at least like when I left so for me, coming to Australia, I was like, wait, what am I supposed to do now? Like this, <laughs> I need someone to come help me figure out the pricing of these things. But I think it, it just goes to show how innovative Australia is, you know, not, not only like compared to the US, but globally. And, you know, you speaking about some of what you're doing at Kohl's is really built around the future of shopping and the future of your of your customers would you mind maybe sharing a few initiatives that you guys kind of have on plate? Oh, there's there's always plenty. So I think the first one that comes to mind is, particularly as we're coming out of the pandemic, is around how important health is and what health means to so many different customers. There's such a different interpretation. I imagine all your listeners and yourselves, if we were to have a conversation around what does health mean to you, it means something different. And one of our strategies around health in every aisle is really making it easier and more accessible for people to find healthy alternatives within the categories that they purchase to make it even easier to make those healthier choices. And that's one that we've had some great success with. And one of the hero categories when I think about it is cereals. So cereals over the last couple of years has got a fairly bad rap in the sense of the amount of sugar in, in breakfast and parents worried about what they're giving their families and how do we help people have better choices and it was one of the first categories we embedded those strategies in and it's just gone from strength to strength it's it's not shaming people by having all the health products in one location that you can only go to one part of the store it's embedding it within the core categories so as a mum I get to shop down there and I can pick the products that I would normally buy that I would give to my kids and then I can also pick up the stuff that sometimes treats as well because it's okay to have a balance between both but it's just around how do you make it easier and more accessible to most. So that's a big one we've been focusing on. And another one is around global cuisines. So Australia, as you would know, it doesn't have a really distinct food culture. We have stolen with pride all the deliciousness from the rest of the world and claim them as our own. But also with the balance around that, as people are getting more exploratory with what they're cooking at home, they're looking for more authentic ingredients. So it gives it people a great opportunity to have more authentic ingredients to make more delicious food for families at home. But also the inverse is being a wonderful multicultural society, there's lots of wonderful people have come from the rest of the world and they're looking for their familiar favourite products from home. So trying to get that balance right has been another really fun part of our strategy that we've been working on and will continue to evolve in the future. I have to say I live in your international aisle because I need pickled jalapenos and refried <laughs> beans. It's like my go-to. I need my hot sauce, my jalapenos and my beans and rice 
to make me feel like I'm back in LA, which is always a nice little comfort. It's great. I'm so delighted to hear that. It's something that the teams work really, really hard on. And this is around finding those right insights and bringing those products that, you know, make a simple meal feel more like home or just to make it a little bit more delicious. Yeah. And I think it's, it's really interesting. Like, I guess two of the things that you guys are doing between health and global cuisine, you know, us at Cappy, it's so funny because we try to be a customer led business, but at the moment there's so much noise. Like everyone has an opinion about what you should do. Change this, change that. No, you know what, you need to do this. And there's more or less statistics to back up every opinion that's out there. But I guess, you know, for us, we can only produce so many different products. And for you guys, there's only so much shelf space. How do you, I guess maybe for you as a leader, how do you stick to a plan or how do you maybe try to silence some of those opinions that are probably always around you? Oh, There's no shortages of opinions, and I think I don't know what's happening in the digital world. There's more platforms to have more opinions without fact, and I think the way that we sort of balance or the way that I think about that is one of the blessings that we do have of being a bigger company is that we do have a wealth of data and insights and information, and then also we have our supplier partners that also have their data, insights, and information that allow us to get closer to our customer. So our category managers are directors, mini CEOs of their own categories. So they're charged with driving really customer-obsessed business plans, which we call our strategic category plans, in partnership with our supplier partners to try and focus on what's most important. And it's sometimes really hard to do. And sometimes we get it really, really right and it provides incredible outcomes for all stakeholders and market share goes up and there's other times we don't. And it's always around that building that muscle of learning, being open to innovation and insight and data to drive the most informed decision is what I as a leader try and do every day. So the focus is around with the most information, you'll make the most informed decision. And when things work, very easy to celebrate. When they don't work, (laughs) fail fast, learn, go again, dust your knee off. We do love the data analysis of our own sales at Coles and our (laughs) competitors at times. So you said that every day is different and I imagine there's days where it's just a lot of meetings, which I can totally relate to and sometimes can kind of be a bit exhausted by the end of the day of it all. How do you as Leanne prepare for the day or prepare for your role at Coles, which is, you know, such a huge responsibility? Well, there's a well, I don't think I get it right every day. I think, you know, we're all human and there's a piece for me around this continuous improvement that I've always held new because what works yesterday may not work tomorrow. One thing I'm huge on is sleep. Like for me to be at my best, I love sleep. Yeah. It's actually like my gift. When people go, what are you really good at? I'm like, sleep. It's good sleep to be good anywhere, at anywhere, anytime, sleep. But also the Achilles heel of that, if I don't get enough, I just don't feel I'm energized enough to be present in the moment. There's another piece for me around being really prepared as well. Mm-hmm. So I like to be organized and I like to know what's coming up, looking ahead into really understanding what the next couple of days look like or next couple of weeks so I can coordinate the right information, but also set my team up for success to help me with that right level of information so I can really have that thinking time before entering into some of the environments of more of those challenging moments that matter meetings because you're trying to drive a particular outcome for whatever reason or business problem you're trying to solve internally or externally 
and being prepared to be able to do that and giving yourself thinking time allows you to be more allows me to be more at my best they're two big ones for me that allow me to hopefully oh well hopefully drive you know the right outcomes that are best for whether it's best for the outcomes we're trying to achieve or in a best for Coles manner. Yeah. I think that Thurman's been learning about my love of a pre-read more recently. (laughs) Yeah, the pre-read's great as long as it's five pages. Yeah. So I'm hugely offended for 100-page pre-reads that you get at like 11 o'clock the night before. That's not a pre-read. Yeah, that that actually happened to me this this Monday. I had a meeting with an external and they sent a 50-page pre-read 15 minutes before and I called all the other people on the call and I was like, is this a joke? Like, I'm not going to read this. It does happen, but I really get like frustrated with the loss of energy that someone has put together those 50 pages yeah that no one's consumed yeah totally how do you feel about that Thurman? god the thought of writing 50 pages of something <laughs> i'm like i can barely like do a two-pager but you're learning about, i'm learning you're i'm learning getting better yeah. sleep covered i yep. can i'm like you i'm the worst like driving passenger because i fall asleep oh totally it's We've had a few like work road trips where I've put on probably like the worst playlist ever and then just <laughs> I was out. Falling to sleep. It's also a strategy. Like my husband, he, he normally does a lot of the driving when we've got like longer distances to go. And I'm like, no, it's okay. I'm here for you. He's like, I just like 15 minutes and I you can have the debate of what you're going to listen to. And he's like, no, no, you, Leanne, you pick what you want because in 15 minutes you're going to be out and I guess get control of everything. So one, no support. And two, let's not debate what we're listening to. You win, enjoy 15 minutes and I'll take control. But yeah, no, so pre-read, I need work. Two pages sounds good. Yeah, no, you've really improved. Not that this is an evaluation of you. Yeah, welcome to podcast episode two where we evaluate (laughs) Thurman's preparedness for meetings. No, that is my, I think... We just had our KPI sessions. I had mine two days ago. Yep. And one of my big goals, and I think maybe, you know, what's really great, this podcast is all about a better tomorrow and thinking ahead, but really was trying to be a bit more prepared. I'm usually kind of scattered and creative and I'll have an idea and I rush into Emma's office and go, hey, Emma, can I tell you something? Do you have a second? And then she's like, your idea doesn't make any sense without the context. And so going forward... (laughs) <laughs> pre-reads yeah but I think to Leanne's point which I can relate to is like you want to be able to help solve the problem in the moment and it's quite difficult to process a lot of information in the moment like I often say to people when they spring an excel on me in the moment like that's a lot to absorb and listen to you and I think just as leaders we have to kind of create those ways of working so then we can actually bring our best to the table I think you know it's funny though being on the other side of that and this isn't fair, but I just like, oh, this doesn't sound so funny. I just assume you're like, you're so brilliant in my head. So I'm like, oh, you're the boss. I'm going to bring this to you. You'll get it like that. Duh. And then when you're like, wait, hold on. This is too much information. I'm like too much information for you. But. And it depends on what like headspace you're in as well. Like, yeah. There's sometimes like, it's amazing how you can switch gears onto different topics. And I think over time with experience, you can get there quicker. Yeah. But there's times where you just need to take that step back, yep. understand the information and then just have a moment to process it in its broadest context. Because what happens is when we become so flight of foot and so focused in the moment, 
the unintended consequences. Mm. And that's the part for me that I'm super passionate about is like, how do we get a view in the broadest context? Like, depending on the size and scale of what we're talking about, if it's small, yeah, let's get it done. Let's move forward. Let's keep everybody moving because as a leader, and Emma, you'd probably feel the same, is I'm really conscious of not being the roadblock mm-hmm. or the bottleneck. Yeah. You want the teams to be able to you know, be empowered, crack on, make really great, fantastic decisions that aren't stifled at the top. But at the same time, when you've got bigger decisions or medium-sized decisions is how do you create yourself some space and some thought mm-hmm. processing time to really consider the alternatives? Because sometimes when you do that and you have the right people around the table to have that conversation, the direction of path that you were going on, you not necessarily go that certain journey. You may find another way that actually ticks more boxes or has more of a profound impact for whatever you're trying to achieve. Yeah, I feel like my leadership and my learnings with that have like evolved over the years. Do you find as well, like you've been at Coles for, you know, quite some time that if you look back, the, the Leanne, you know, even pre-pandemic and the Leanne now is different totally I cringe I look back and I cringe (laughs) there's moments where I'm like (sighs) I over in uh, index on results drive like driven for results so there's times earlier on when I in leadership roles where you become so focused on the outcome that you the consequence is how you got there and you may not have taken people with you you may have not got all the information you haven't delivered the outcome you were seeking to do. But for me, uh, 100%, I have, like every day I learn, every day a new situation provides an opportunity for us to grow and there is no doubt I'm very different to who I was in the sense of how I lead people over the last three years. I think the pandemic has definitely forced us to operate in a really remote way, but how do you keep that level of engagement and all those wonderful intuitive skills that you've developed over time when you can walk into a room or walk into an office, mm. walk into a space and you feel the vibe, you lost the vibe. The vibe yeah. was a screen. The vibe went. The vibe was dead. Yeah. <laughs> Vibeless. Yeah. But you still had to, like, in my industry, it was a time when Australians needed us most. Yeah. And we were never more under more challenge. And we had to solve that ability to see how the team were feeling, trying to pivot people to working from home, trying to be aware of people's individual circumstances of what the environment was for them at home, how they were able to support their families or if they lived by themselves, how do we make sure we stay connected because we also needed to really deliver like we've never delivered before in a really challenging time. So, yeah, very different. Lots of learnings. Like responsible for the whole of Australia's kind of food supply and, you know, feeding their families and having some fun when they, you know, especially for us in Victoria when we couldn't even leave our homes. Like, you know, as you said, the cereals gave the dynamic of the week from Monday eating healthy to trying to have some, you know, normality around Friday fun. Absolutely. You had about five kilometers to get around. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, the grocery store became the social thing, right? Because it was the only place you could go. Did you have like meetings at the supermarket? No, but you were excited. It was like, oh, I get to get out of my house. Maybe I'll see some friends. Oh, hey, how are you? Haven't seen you in a minute. Yeah, that's true. But I think, I mean, what's super interesting actually is that's how actually we started. The podcast started for us because we noticed that, you know, everything was a cooking class, a cocktail class. All of the stuff that we were finding online engagement wise were classes or tutorials. 
and we were just like, oh, what can we do for the teams in this building where it's just about like a good chat? And so we hosted these lockdown lunches with some of our friends. And it was just, I think the first one was myself and my buddy Ryan, who's a yoga teacher. And it was just about having a chat. And we had, I think, over 50 people tuned in just to listen to people not teach them something. And it was such a cool way to just try to find new ways to engage because like you were saying, it was so hard. And it's like, you could only watch so much Netflix. You could only do so much work. And you had all these hours in the day that were just... It was also quite fatiguing to just be on, you know, virtual calls all day sometimes. Like um, you really had to engage and stare at a screen, like not in an office where you just get that five minutes to have a chat in the kitchen or go get some fresh air or... But then it was also too, like, if you do a workout, your workout was on your computer, your meetings are on your computer, mm-hmm. your Netflix or TV or who, whatever it is you're watching is on your computer. And so all of a sudden you went from probably like eight hours of screen time to like... Oh, I, I don't want to do the maths on that. Yeah. But it's even like, even just that mental wind down time. So one of the biggest things that we observed or and I personally felt as well is sort of we're talking about how do you switch gears as a leader for different topics on different meetings and how do you get prepared. It's very easy to get up, collect your things, go for the walk to the next meeting room, which is five minutes away. It gives you an opportunity to clear your head, to Mm. refresh before you go into the next topic. When you're on WebEx, Teams, Zoom, whatever it is, it's just a hit of a button and you're back in. So there's no sort of reset moment yeah but even the commute to and from work Mm. however people do it whether it's a walk train drive for me I lost a bit of me time yeah and it was just like being on needing to recharge through just having some time on my own a lot of people found it really challenging by not having an escape Mm-hmm. And then people on the other end of it who are like really highly extrovert living on their own and had a, you know, you're on your own all the time. You really need the energy from others is trying to find pathways for people to stay connected. There's been some cool innovation that's come out of mm. it. Like you're talking about this, like you wouldn't have thought of that. For me in the work world, it really helped me to learn about what truly flexible working was Yep, and really bust the myth of how you can have the best of both worlds. And being a working mum in a high-pressure role, if it wasn't for this last couple of years, I don't think I'd have the balance in my life that I do now. So I will always be grateful for that. So do you run like a mix now these days? Yeah, yeah. Yep. so two or three days in the office yep. and then the rest are working from home, particularly around those meeting days because yep. they're quite internally focused days and then it gives me an opportunity to be really present, mm. well-prepared, organised. Yep. I do do the sneaky washing in between, keep the house functioning. I yep. can check on my kids when they leave home. So my daughter, if she's wearing too much eye makeup, I can clock that before <laughs> she sneaks out. Otherwise, I wouldn't have had a clue. Yeah. I made sure my son hasn't forgotten half of the things he needs to take. At least I can sort of nag him and chase him out the door in between a meeting. But it's just good. It just allowed me to have some time to be really, well, for now, I feel like I really have the balance. I'm able to, you know achieve what I need to achieve in a meaningful way for what I do for work, which is really important for me and for those I lead. So I feel really accountable about doing that. But at the same time, though, getting that balance of feeling like a, I wouldn't say a great mum, but a good mum, being more present, being more available and being able to hear those conversations that I would have never heard Mm. them talking about between themselves if I wasn't home. So, um, yeah, no, I'll always be grateful for that. And I think it's really helped a lot of people 
to find that balance a bit more. As a working mom in a high pressure job with, I know you do a lot of you know mentoring and volunteer outside of what you do. Like, how do you find that me time or, or what is that me time for you? Is it, is it a walk? Is it a drive? Is it meditation? Like what's your, what's your preferred form of me time? It's a challenging one to answer because I think most working mums would know that the last person to have me time is me. It's um, sleep would be my me time. I would definitely say that. It's probably why I like it so much because no one can interrupt me there. It's like me. What I really connect with is just it is the walking aspect. It's being outside. It's being with nature where I can. I'm blessed to be living in an area that's really got lots of trees. So just sitting outside and just getting a bit of vitamin D, even in between some of those hectic pressure days is something I wouldn't have done pre-lockdowns because I'd be in an office and I'd be running to the next meeting. So having that, that kids are at school, I can have a moment to myself. I really try and find, it sounds silly, but just some boring, brain-numbing Netflix TV stuff. It's the stuff that I don't have to think about because after what you were speaking before, Emma, around going, lots of information, lots of tech time, you sort of need to just stop. Yeah. And you need to stop your brain. So when sitting outside and enjoying the outdoors, be thinking about listening to the birds and the trees. And my husband jokes to me a bit because I do love listening to the birds and the trees. But then, you know, having that brain numbing, wasted, I know I've wasted an hour watching this, but I just feel so good because I didn't have to think about it. Yeah. It is like energizing in a, in a reverse way almost. Yeah. I'm similar, but I do it with like the dumbest iPhone games. Like <laughs> I look, I mean, I'm like 12 years old, but you just, it's like a nap for your brain. You know, it's like the no body's. cognitive investment. Yep. <laughs> it's nice. It's nice just to sit there and just have someone talk at you or listen to something. And the other one is music. Music is just a fantastic release. There's music always on yeah. at home. Just, yeah. Good that, for the soul. Oh, my goodness. I do have to ask, though. So mm-hmm. what's the, the go-to show at the moment? On Netflix? Oh, well, it's actually, I, I did lie, Stan. My daughter and I watch it together, and I would not say it's brain-numbing. It just fills my heart with joy. We discovered this in lockdowns, RuPaul's Drag Race. We oh. are mega fans of RuPaul's Drag Race. Just good for the soul. Just a happy time. And... Yeah, so Charlotte and I will, we've got a ritual tonight, final show of a big season that closes and then the Australian season starts tomorrow. So that's our go-to. Oh, that's good that another one's starting. So it's not like the big disappointment that it's ending. Well, we do replay because we got into it really late. So I think we started about season nine or 10. So she's really passionate that we go back through the (laughs) relics. And that's probably the blessing of streaming services that there is endless content. That's a nice bonding time too, to kind of have together and just watch it. Just chill. Yeah. So looking ahead, we don't want to use the word legacy, but I, I guess what are you really motivated by or inspired by that you kind of want to bring to your role? It's a really good question. It's really uncomfortable to think about those sort of elements because I think of myself as someone who just tries to do their best every day and you're focused on what you're doing for now and for others. You're not thinking about what would I want people to say when the mirror goes up in 10, 15, 20 years from now. One of the things I'm super passionate about is supporting young people, particularly women, 
to develop careers within the industry that I work within. Uh-huh. Being able to have been as successful as I have been for this time, there's lots of lessons I've learned and I would have really valued having probably learned them through somebody else instead of learning them <laughs> through myself. So one of the things that gives me a lot of joy and I do love to spend time is sharing and helping others on their own career journeys. So that's a big one. But then if I think about it in the sense of my role within the industry, I think we've got some really incredible changes coming through in the sense of how we think about sustainability. Mm-hmm. So what I'm acutely aware of and what we talk about within the business and with our supplier partners is that there's wonderful sustainability initiatives that all companies are taking at a pretty much a corporate level. But when I sort of drill into it about how I'm thinking about it with my customers is that we're a package department and what's on my mind is soft plastics particularly and and recyclability and how do we get a wonderful closed loop circle on soft plastics and how do we really shape that for the future? And if I go back 20 years of what we used to be like from a recyclability point of view and how far we've come with PET and other formats, it feels like that's a really next frontier and will really help, yeah, help to leave a better tomorrow. Yeah, I think my observation as well, I don't know if you have this, is just the passion that's coming through in the the generations coming through. The, I'm speaking like I've been around for a long time. But <laughs> like, you know, we have some younger team members at Cappy and they actually are kind of the most passionate about what it is. And they're kind of, I like how there's that push and pull and that they're pushing us as the leadership team to have answers and to do better and to even if it's just the office recycling, but just to show up and kind of go, you can't just pick the P&L and you have to address it and they're expecting it. So I kind of like that the pressure's on from them as well. I love it. I love it. And I think that's where also there's such a resourcefulness of passion and ideas on how to solve it. It's not just it's somebody else's problem. I feel like it's in it together and that's the only way we're going to solve these problems. So I'm, again, really fortunate to have a lot of young people that come into the business. We have a graduate cohort that are working within the team at the moment. It was great listening to them talk about in our first grocery huddle, which we do on a monthly basis where we get the team together and we talk about all sorts of incredible topics to really share knowledge and celebrate success. But we had the opportunity to speak to our newest team members and at that stage they were all graduates. And it was really amazing listening to them talk about their passion around sustainability it was so authentic and that was the part that really struck me like it was so ingrained and yeah the healthy challenge definitely does help us to do better but also it's not what I love about it it's not just saying it for the sense of it it's on everyone's mind so I'll just say sustainability Mm. it's mean meaningful it's ideas based it's solution focused yep it's very exciting. Yeah, it is exciting. We're, we're in the process of just kind of like really defining our vision and our roadmap and not getting overwhelmed by it and knowing that you need to solve everything in a year and there's phases and there's steps. And for a brand like Cappy where we have, you know, su- we have suppliers, even though we're a supplier of coals, we then have suppliers and manufacturers. So there's just so many chinks in the chain you have to go through but we're excited kind of to go on that journey. So I can only imagine when you look at the breadth of suppliers and having a stores and footprints (laughs) of of what has to be tackled. But I love the way that you said that though, because you can look at a problem 
like this and go, it's so big, I can't, it's just, and you're frozen for action. It's those small steps Mm. and incremental movements forward that helps us to continue to make a big dent. Again, you just need to look back of where we were 10 years ago to where we are now. That's not to say the job is done, far from it, but there's been a lot of momentum. There's a coalition of the willing to solve this, Mm. which is super exciting. It's super cool too because you're in the amazing space to be a push-pull in sustainability and it seems as if like without being overly pressure on the customers, you're inviting customers to choose sustainable options and then you're driving suppliers to provide sustainable options. So in a way, it's kind of cool to see that, you know, the big brands, the big retailers, that they're in such a spot of power to really make a difference. And I think, you know, so often... I think sometimes people kind of think these big brands are like shady. They're doing all these things for certain reasons. But really, you know, if the world's going to change, it is the coals of the world. It is the, you know, the big brands of the world that can really push us to hopefully save our world, you know. I'm always amazed when I get the privilege of speaking to so many different companies around how much work they're doing. And I think one thing that I'd love people to sort of think about is, I really, what you said, it really resonates with me. All of these big corporates that we might tarnish with being big corporates all have commitments that are publicly available. They are audited, they're visible, they're present. So the information is there. And I think whether it's us or others, like we're super passionate about uh, driving sustainable outcomes for sustainability. We will have our next report that goes live, I think, in September, our sustainability report, which we take a lot of pride in demonstrating our commitments to our commitments, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like it's, it's fully visible. And then a lot of the other big manufacturers are doing an incredible job and how they're trying to also find new innovative formats of whatever it might be. Let's talk about packaging. One of them is trying to crack the nut on um, soft plastics or other recyclable activity and their willingness to when they crack that nut to share that with others is really humbling it just shows that it's more of again a coalition of the willing so I have a lot of hope and I have a lot of passion for seeing what really plays through and again there's no one person that's going to solve big problems like this it's that incremental steps forward and how do we collaborate across industries across different industries or competitors to find meaningful solutions that will make a huge impact. I think that's a great segue into one of, I think, probably our more popular questions in our podcast is, you know, what are some brands or people that are out there that are inspiring you at the moment? Lots. It depends <laughs> on the day. Can I? Well, this morning, and I was sharing with Emma before, I've spent the morning at Food Bank Australia at their Victorian DC and the work that they do around recovering potential food waste and helping those within need is just inspiring. So that particular organisation is someone that's top of mind for me today because I've had the privilege of going out and helping to understand their problems and understanding the problems that, that they're trying to solve for other Australians. And it did surprise me with the statistics and how much pressure's out there with people right now. But when you've got organisations like this that partner with other smaller charity organisations, the thought process that they go through on really trying to help other humans is something that's truly inspiring for me. It's a good grounding time well spent. 
Yeah, and I guess, I mean, it's one of those, I think, at the moment, there are a lot of people, you know, while some businesses have really taken off post-COVID, you know, a lot of people still are struggling out there. And it is really, you know, inspiring that people are thinking about each other and trying to help in whichever they you know, whichever way they can. Yeah, absolutely. It was even just going another clicking down another gear is like they've got 90 volunteers that go in there on a weekly basis that pick orders to go to other charitable organizations and those 90 people choicefully take time out of their week to go and help. And I think with how we are like during the pandemic it felt like there was a real lift in that community feel people were looking out for one another we lost a little bit of that since we've all come back out again we've Mm -hmm. gone back into our sort of old routines but I think with well what I'm perceiving is you know there's a lot of people still doing it really tough and we'll do it tougher moving forward and I think it's just a nice reflection to go what can we all do to help one another because that's the part that I think is going to make such a huge difference because even just listening to the amount of people they're talking about that, I think it was a million meals a month, no, a million people monthly. So one out of 25 Australians needing support in that way, which I thought was an extraordinarily yeah. high number and that's increasing month after month recently. Yeah, it's I think good sometimes to slow down and just get a reminder that, you know, you can just do your bit here and there and I think especially like what you said post-pandemic it's like so often people were like let's go back to normal it's like there is we're not going back we're evolving and now there's a new normal and yeah people are struggling and I also think things are triggering for people as well so we talk about community quite a lot and I think it's a really nice word and yeah just not focusing on dollars and cents but what you can do to just help each other out which I feel we should give a special shout out to Julia. So Julia, who you met earlier, she's the brains behind putting all of this podcast together. And we've just had a bit of a, a shift in our business. And so her major role now is really looking after the community and the partnerships and trying to put, you know, to rethink how do we engage with community? How do we engage with our partners and having somebody there that can really own it? Because I think the future is, at least for me, the future is community mm-hmm. and building those kind of connections. Mm-hmm. So shout out to Julia. Yes, <laughs> shout out Julia. You. Thank you, Julia. <laughs> I think, you know, I guess that kind of leads us to a really kind of another one of our most important questions, usually the one that we kind of like to close out the podcast with. But what excites you about the future? You know, I think like what's getting you out of bed, uh, you know, whether it's for your children's future, or for your future, you know, what are the things that that you find exciting about tomorrow? I think there's a lot to like about tomorrow. There's just so much opportunity ahead of all of us. And whilst it it was quite, you know, serious, the last sort of question, I think that that's just a reality and an opportunity for us to lean in and support one another in a really meaningful way. What gets me out of bed every morning is just trying to do better. I know that's a tagline for this, but that's just, (laughs) I'm not branding myself. (laughs) Genuinely it is, whether it's a better day for me, a better day for my family, a better day for those I work with and who I interface with, or a better day for our customers with how they experience us and what problems they're trying to solve. So I'm very much looking ahead at some of the big challenges that we've got as a society with a view of going, geez, 
look at the opportunity in a really growth mindset. There's no particular milestones I'm looking ahead for in particular. I've got the kids are both, well, one's selecting VCE subjects and the other one's selecting U10 subjects. So it feels like for me, I'm a bit short-term sighted in my personal life because I feel like they're growing up so fast that they're going to be off doing their own lives soon. So I sort of want to stay where we are for a bit longer. (laughs) So whilst my perspective might be a bit narrow, I think at the moment that's the thing that's on my mind the most is sort of like enjoying where we are today, thinking about how you show up and how you have impact on others but selfishly trying to keep those kids for a little bit longer. But I have heard that kids don't move out of home for a while. So in a, if we're speaking like maybe 10 years' time, I might have a different perspective of like get them out, get them out into that's the real true. world. So Yeah, that's so funny. I was just thinking my mom always says, you can trust that your daughter will stay close, but your son probably going to go far away. <laughs> and? Well, I'm in Australia (laughs) and my sister lives maybe a five minute drive from my mom. Uh Uh-oh. All right. So, therefore, if I read through that, so Lachlan, who's my (laughs) eldest, is going to be off. He's very passionate about Air Force cadets. So, he's hoping to be a pilot when he grows up. And then Charlotte, she's safe, so she's going to stay home. (laughs) She's going to be an actress. (laughs) So I don't think how, you know, it's tough to be an actress, so she might need to live at home. Live at home. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that makes me bring straight. (laughs) Well, on that note, I think, you know, we just want to say, wow, such an amazing session today. Thank you so, so much for giving us a slice of that that busy day between eight hours of sleep. An absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for asking me to join. So wonderful. Thank you so much for listening to our second episode of season two with the amazing Leanne White, the general manager of Coles Grocery. We had such a beautiful time speaking with her and hopefully you enjoyed listening to us just as much. Of course, if you've enjoyed listening, please download, share, comment, whatever it is you might want to do in the world of podcasts. And tune in in two weeks when we will be speaking with the wonderful and amazing Alice Seslovsky, award-winning author, chef, broadcaster, and just absolute beautiful person. Until then, ciao for now.